Striking while the iron's hot to be your authoritative voice for New Mexico soccer. Welcome to We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Sponsored by Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Brought to you by Beautiful Game Network. Find us on the web at seekandstrikecollective.com. Welcome to another episode of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. I'm your host, Chris Walker, and with me is Alicia. Alicia, how you doing tonight? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. Um, you know, the tomorrow is, is Friday, which means we're one more day closer to another United match. Um, you know, which this definitely is going to be one of the bigger ones, right? I mean, it's marking out to be that way. Um, what are you looking forward to the most? So obviously we're playing Phoenix on Saturday, um, but is there anything that you got going on personally until then? No, not, not really. Nothing at all. Just excited for the game on Saturday. Right on. Now, I don't know if you saw earlier that uh, the curse put out uh, kind of an event for tomorrow. It's kind of a time to take your lunch and essentially go out and send the players off as they're heading out to Phoenix. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I saw that. And um, I hope that a, a lot of people get to go and to show the support and, you know, that, that they're showing to the players that, hey, we're still cheering you on from home. Don't feel like you're alone. Now, I mean, really, like, hat, hats, off, hats off have to go out to the curse for trying to come up with different ways for us, you know, as the fans, really, to be able to have um, as much interaction with the players without actually being, you know, there with them. I mean, what are you thinking for now, some of these different events that have happened? It's just so weird because, I mean – the players from last season, they got used to the home games of averaging of 13,000 fans every game. Mm -hmm. And for that to not happen this year, it's a little bit odd because they've been playing on the road every single game. And I can understand if they're tired or if they need a break because it's not easy playing on the road every week. And with the schedule being so tight, they don't really get that much rest. They have to come back here. They probably get like maybe a day or two of rest and then they go back and train and then they leave and they play a game and it's the same routine for them every single week so it gets kind of frustrating for them and I also feel bad for the for the new players too because they talk about how the atmosphere is here with the fans mm -hmm. and saying how it's crazy when they've played last season with different teams against us they couldn't believe what they saw with how many fans they were at our games. And I feel so bad because I really wanted them to experience that this year. But sadly, it's just something that couldn't happen. Now, I mean, we didn't get to talk about this mainly, but what do you think? What do you think when all those fans? I mean, I know there weren't a lot, but I mean, but when fans were basically standing on the overpasses, as you know, you see the team bus and the coaches, and they're essentially like driving under each one, seeing like fans waving flags. I mean, what, what were you kind of thinking about that? Like, you know, maybe how it was put together, and even like what would be your response if you were driving underneath each one? 
I thought it was awesome because it shows that how truly dedicated our fan base is to showing the players that we're still supporting them no matter if they're on the road or if they're at home or we can't be at the games. We're still showing them that even though it feels like to them no one's there and they feel like no one is watching, we're still watching and supporting from home. And I really like that Curse has done that and is also continuing that tomorrow because mm -hmm. it just gives a little boost of motivation to the players. And you can kind of feel that when they play because last time at El Paso, they played so much better. And it was just like a boost of confidence that they had. And I really enjoyed it. And hopefully this gives them even more of a boost this week so we can get a better result out of last week. So now they did a couple things this week. One thing they did was the adopt a player, um, mm -hmm. which, you know, ultimately I signed up for and you definitely helped me out with. And, you know, I got Chris Weehan and, you know, we were, you know, you were able to make a card for him and you even yeah. had this really kick-ass drawing, you know, Thank of you. Chris. Um, and then, you know, stacked, stacked his bag with all kinds of, of goodies and, you know, and post pre-match and post-match goodies we'll call it um and then of course there's even a couple other things which are you know which won't be named on this podcast but will you know ultimately you know find their ways into his hands um so that was the one thing but then of course now this thing with the the lunch send-off and you know and i'm trying to imagine um so what do you think tomorrow's gonna look like with a bunch of people because they're basically going to the place where they uh, like their their training facility. It's like you know where the media hours are held. It's the locker room. That's where they're going to. The the, the gift baskets are going to be there waiting for them. So I believe the gift baskets are going there, but I also believe that that's where they're leaving town from. So the players are going to be leaving, departing the uh, their training facility locker room if you will um and um, all of all the fans are going there like knowing how kind of the training facility is since we had like the privilege to be in there last season i think they're gonna be pretty stoked when they see something for them and they're gonna know that it was made out of love from every single fan that was able to participate and it's just gonna literally bring a, a big smile to their face and i bet you it's gonna be all over their player social media tomorrow really a nice gesture and once again supporting them right now in this hard time and you know they're not alone right right exactly and i, I was wondering like you know i was trying to think about how big could this possibly be or get like you know i mean if you think about it there's fourteen thousand fans you know, as you mentioned, and we're doing all these little ways to like be involved with the club, you know, and I'm just trying to imagine like, you know, is it going to be like miles of fans socially distanced with masks on, you know, like how big can these events totally get, you know, and will we get a chance to witness something where there's just like amazing amounts of fans like out there supporting the send-offs of our players. I I can totally see it happening, you know, if 
of course, you know, following the social distancing guidelines and stuff and wearing your masks. But I can really see it happening where we have a lot of us, you know, spread out and, you know, showing our support to them and, you know, still being there for them in a sense, even though we can't like kind of really come together like we would for a game and chat and scream. But, you know, it's still something that I haven't seen any other club do so far. Yeah, I think, I, man, I had just had a couple of images pop through my mind. One was they're going to have to consider leaving from like isotopes or something where all these cars could be, or there's going to be all these fan cars parked up and down I-25, which is like ropes of people. I just, I could see New Mexico really turning out for the team. And so far it's just been kind of the curse, but I really do think that some point that we'll see a larger initiative. One thing that I kind of hope for, and I don't know if it's in the works or not, and I think it would be really cool if we could get one of the games shown at the Balloon Fizzer Drive-In, because I know for a fact all a lot of fans are going to go. They're going to go drive in, watch the game, but just imagine seeing all those cars decorated in flags, in posters, everyone with their jerseys in their car and still cheering but it's something different but still if someone could capture the pictures of that it would be something that you know would kind of be unforgettable yeah that definitely would be really cool to see if they can get it to the point of having it you know at the balloon fiesta and really being able to like you said just record all of the video um, and really capture the moment. And, you know, we know the club is so good about doing that, um, you know, between them and their uh, cinematographer, Isaiah Watts, um, and his crew um, to create some really cool um, I iconic videos and things that really ultimately hype up our fans and really show what our state's about. Um, so then I wanted to, like... I guess use this as a transition and ultimately, um, you know, talk about this week's opponent. So, you know, as we kind of alluded to in the top of, of things, like the guys are going out to Phoenix, Arizona. They're going to be playing against Phoenix Rising FC. Um, you know, this rivalry of sorts does not necessarily have a name, um, but you know, last year we played them two times during the regular season, which both matches ended in draws. And I would probably say they were probably both heated um, as far as like, you know, the way the players were getting after each other. And then there's the open cup match where New Mexico ultimately draws in regular season or and uh, regulation time, but advances on penalty kicks. And you know that we know that it's a draw through regulation, but it's ultimately someone has to win. And, you know, according to soccer, as much as we want to claim the win, you know, by technicality, you know, it really this time around, we just need to get the win. And I know that that's easier said than done. What are your thoughts? We, we really need that win. And Phoenix Rising... It's just a, a rivalry that literally grew out of nowhere. 
the the tension was there it's so that game is so different compared to any other team we played for and I know when I was at the game last season for the home game when we hosted Phoenix here the tension for that game it was just so high and everyone and every single fan you can feel it was out for Phoenix and our players you can feel it the minute they walked out on that field it just doesn't feel the same like you know for like our kind of little brother rival El Paso it's just not the same and we really need that win against Phoenix because they think they're so much better than everyone else but they're not and they think just because they took Santi more from us that they're gonna try and pull something well they're not they um because of Asante Santi hasn't gotten minutes he hasn't played and I we're gonna get to this but he got a red card in the Orange County game for pushing someone for pushing somebody from the Orange County team I just can't remember yeah, it was a, co- a coach Santi has been on the bench he was a starter and went on the bench to supposedly win trophies yeah, we'll definitely get into that. You know, something I was is very interesting to me as you were talking and I was thinking about is, you know, and I had talked to um, uh, Mika Burrell uh, from El Paso's uh, Seriously Loco, and something she was really saying is that um, she saw New Mexico as having better players or seeming more dominant to El Paso players, and maybe there was some sort of superiority inferiority complex like almost like people in el paso they just have to do better than someone in new mexico because it's like some sort of a ingrained societal kind of thing like like the level of class if you will and and just it's important for them to like rise up from being underdogs and then i thought about it with us with new mexico and then in arizona it's kind of the same sort of thing like phoenix rising and their fans they kind of come into the picture as like the cool kid at school who's got the brand new red converse on but everyone really likes black but he just has to draw attention to himself and 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 so they kind of come in and we're like almost in the same boat as el paso as far as we need to show up to that match and it's the same thing for them and California teams. Their their matchup with Orange County, like Orange County, is like the ultimate cool kid, you know. And and um, I just think it's crazy how, again, how these matches came to be, you know, because I'm sure we only expected El Paso to really be a rivalry match. I mean, you know, from the very get go, with you know our dumpsters with players you know, stuck to them and, you know, the jokes about taking out El Trasho and things like that, Um, you know, so here we are, you know, and and you said it, I mean, they took Santi Moore, you know, towards the end of the season. And so, so many people felt they, for the first time, I think they felt, um, I don't know how you would call it, like, and so I was, what I was saying um, is that, you know, for the first time, the fans are experiencing this thing where one of the star or fan favorite players 
leaves the team he you know would have had more of a humble beginning or rebeginning with to go to a team because he wants to get a trophy or because you know he could be the missing piece and and these fans are feeling like wow like you know i don't know what what the mixture is maybe there's some there was initially some heartbreak some betrayal i mean there's still some people that are like we still love you you could come back there's not an 11 on our squad you could still feel it i mean i don't know like what people are gonna feel like when they're watching it what are you gonna feel like when you're watching the match Lisa? i i think it's what i feel now i i was actually on instagram earlier and i still follow him and i click on a story and he's like training 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 and i'm like oh where you're gonna get knocked on your on your ass so bad and i can't wait to see it like i just have this sort of like grudge or rage to him that like why would he do that you know yeah it's just you know again it's I was talking to a Phoenix fan yesterday and I was like, you have to understand like Santi, when he first came out and he was playing for Birmingham Legion, like he was a bench player the first year. He was getting minimal minutes. He was subbing in. And then his second season there, his minutes increased. Like he was probably more of a starter then, you know? And so then of course that's, you know, around the time that, that Troy is seeing him, you know, Troy brings him out and he's probably thinking, well, I could play another year at Birmingham Legion and, you know, maybe it's so-so. I don't know if they're trying to do something or, hey, there's this other guy, Troy, that he knows from previous, you know, and it's like, you know, so he, he's going to come out to New Mexico and maybe this is a new thing and, you know, Troy's vision sold him. So he comes out and he gets to obviously be one of the more, premier players right and he gets his minutes you know has his time to shine scores the goals you know gets the hat trick and all these things and you know then at some point he kind of flatlines and you know into the later half of the season you know and and then so instead of coming back another year here you know he decides you know what i'm gonna go to phoenix because you know obviously they opened the door it wasn't like he had to go and pander to get there, right? Like they opened the door for him and, you know, and, and they made it seem like they were going to make Santi a more, a bigger part of the role, right? Like, oh, this guy scores on us, so we'll take him. But he really hasn't been a bigger part of the picture there. Uh, what's your impression of kind of how Phoenix has been using him versus what they said? I, I haven't really been like liking it he i know for the orange county game he had a wide open shot and he, he missed it and um i just we, it's just there's so many talented players on that team that i feel like santi wasn't truly like the right fit you have asante you have flemings you have vaquero you have darashov and it's just those four players, they just overpowered him. And because of them, I just, Santi's not going to get minutes. And 
of course, I don't wish anyone to get hurt or anything, but if something were to happen to those players, maybe that's when he'll step in. I like the way he's been playing over there. It's just, I feel like he hasn't let himself go to show his, he really needs to like, you know, like, hey, I want minutes. I don't want to be on the bench. Yeah, I honestly did not think, I didn't think that he would end up in Phoenix. I thought he might go to San Diego, loyal, if anything, go to another new club where he can kind of, you know, ultimately kind of shine again, be a primary player in a new system. I thought it might be something like that, you know. Um, I I tell you, like, you know, I mean, I know that these guys are obviously trying to make their way to the bigs, you know, but, you know, to have played for so many different teams and to get so many different results, like, over the courses, you know, it's just something interesting. And so you kind of mentioned some of the other players. So, like, I guess we can just kind of crack in. So um, so let me just kind of lay some of the primer. So currently uh, Phoenix is 3-1-1. One, one. They're second in Group B with 10 points. They have a goal differential of 10. Um, you know, so obviously think LA, or think LA Galaxy 2 for allowing six goals. And, you know, they've definitely... If you if you think about their wins, their wins are over Galaxy Two, Portland Timbers, and El Paso. El Paso probably being the quality win, you know, of the three. They have one draw and one loss against OC, um, and you know New Mexico also sitting with ten points, but and is three one and one as well, but is sitting on top of Group C. Um, so this match has good implications, you know, obviously El Paso, you know, will be watching this match because if they can get a win over Colorado Springs this weekend and hope that we lose, then, you know, there at least could be a little bit close of the gap between where it is now, El Paso sitting with five points, Um, you know. And so anyways, uh, some key players that, you mentioned Alicia, obviously Junior Fleming, Solomon Asante, and Rufat uh, Dadashov. Their top three scorers, each with four goals. Um, Fleming has one assist, Asante has three assists, and Dadashov has two assists. Um, this match was originally scheduled for New Mexico, but to stay in compliance with the public health order, um, the match was moved to Arizona. Um, do you think Peter and Troy should have tried to keep this match at home? Um, maybe by seeking it out earlier and moving it to the back? Or do you think that with all things considered, it still makes sense to keep it early in the season the way it is now? I think the smartest thing to do would be because if you think about it, um, how we were last season, and hopefully we don't end up like that this season, where we're like struggling for points and looking to get one point just to clinch playoffs. Um, it wouldn't be smart to leave it last season because this is one of our toughest games that we're going to face. And if we're on the hunt for for points at the end of the season, I don't think it would be smart for us to be playing against them at the end of the season because if let's say for example we end up being on the road this whole time, it's just gonna, it's gonna hurt us in the end because we're gonna be really, really tired knowing we haven't had 
a home game like these other teams have. And we're just, you know, like they said, we're road kings. That's what we've been doing. So I think it's just better to get it out of the way now and then just uh, focus strictly on Group C after this. Nice. Yeah, I, I, I think that that's an interesting perspective. I think it's good to kind of think about that because, you know, if you remember last season, I mean, you know, it Phoenix was hot. They were hot. They were on a 20-game win streak, and, you know, it was – we were at a point where we definitely needed points. And, you know, right now, I mean, they have not had such a consistent run because it's a shorter season, you know, and other teams have also improved their roster talent and their strategy, you know, and given all things considered with them having such a super roster, I mean, teams are bringing out their best play. And Troy kind of mentioned it in this week's press conference he says you know undoubtedly they're the best team in the league i mean their roster is stacked they have a lot of talent you know and everyone certainly is giving phoenix their best no one's coming out you know playing like their their b game everyone's bringing it to them you know and and obviously the one thing he really said which i think should be a focus in our conversation is he said, um, you know, any time, any team that makes a mistake, that's where Phoenix really capitalizes. You know, look at the El Paso match last week against Phoenix. They had triple the stats as Phoenix. They had like 23 shots, 18 on target, um, and only turned out one goal. And, Phoenix had three goals, obviously one awarded on a penalty kick, but they only had seven shots and six on target. So they made the most of what little they had, and it seemed to be a bigger thing than what El Paso thought they were doing. They even had ten corners El Paso did, you know? Yeah, you know, it's just they do have the players, and they're a talented team, and they're a strong team, but it's just one of those teams that, that it's gonna be a hard one. And I know when watching the El Paso game, like at first El Paso was trying to get up to their level, but you know, when they started scoring one after another, El Paso just kind of shut down. They were playing like they were in the first five, 10 minutes of that match. And if they would have kept it up, like they that the score outcome in the end would have been. Right. So, Here's a here's a positive thing. They're playing on grass. So, you know, last week they were on turf, right? Mm-hmm. So now they're playing on grass. And, I mean, just watching the match uh, that, you know, watching the replay of the match, um, you know, the ball moves pretty well on their grass. You know, it doesn't move as fast as I've seen it move on turf. Um, but I think that's probably one positive thing that the players – you know, for New Mexico, I have to look forward to is just being able to play on a natural surface. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, the turf, you know, it's just, I mean, it's nice because, like, it's a really fast pace when it's on turf. But when it's natural grass, it you feel so much better playing on there. Sure, it's not as fast paced, but, you know, I know they obviously have their grass trimmed nicely. It's not long. 
but um, it's just a different game when it's on natural grass. I know personally, I hate turf. It's just, especially when it rains, that ball doesn't roll. It literally just slides, and it goes so fast that it's just really hard to keep up with. So I, I just hope they enjoy playing on grass this Saturday. Right. So Phoenix comes out. And a four-three-three formation. I did. I do have the um, formation for us here on the screen. So Phoenix comes out in a four-four-three-three. Um, they they have um, they have a contour in the back. Oh, in this match they had contour in the back with AJ Cochran, uh, Corey Wheeland, and Darnell King. Now, they typically played a little bit out of the back um, in this matchup. Uh, you definitely did see them kind of spreading out um, the two backs to kind of make it kind of a wider distribution. Um, so if teams could, they probably wanted to try to stop some of that happening in the back. Now, of course, you know, with Phoenix having pace, you know, people aren't really too like El Paso didn't seem to do any high press because they certainly were concerned with you know Phoenix's ability to counter. Um, in the middle line, they had Stanton, Lambert, and Bacaro, and then of course up top they had Fleming, Dadashov, and Asante. Um, so I want to ask you this: What do you think our lineup will be? for this match player wise um yeah. in in the back i see um hopefully najem um i kaylin and tete man it's hard but it's gonna probably be no suds okay in there and then in the mid you're gonna have probably the same it's gonna be moreno guzman tenari and maybe parks and in the front it's gonna if devin's better it's gonna be um devin and Weehan. okay yeah i think i have kind of the same sort of lineup kind of thought about in my mind um i when i think when it comes to like the mid i'm definitely thinking that you've got to have like your best passers in there because mm -hmm. you know as we'll get as as one one concern is about sloppy passing you know or balls that pass and they roll for too while too long you know because you're dealing with a team that has pace so i just can't imagine mm -hmm. i can't imagine it being like hey let's go ahead and put these guys in here and hey we're just going to kind of pass you know not full effort but we'll just send the ball because i mean these players are faster and we've already played them three times they already know don't put any balls out there in, out in the open for them to like you know get an extra step on you you know what i mean so I, I just wonder. Yeah. I, so I, I yeah, definitely, definitely have. 
Yeah, so I definitely have the same lineup as you, um, I I would think. And hopefully Devin is better because that certainly would give us some size up front. But it's not necessarily going to give us some speed. Devin is faster, but that's what I'm concerned about is does Troy create a speed lineup? You know what I mean? And it's a hotter temp, you know, so – how is that going to affect some of the players? You know, things like that. I mean, there's no real way for them to train in a 110 temp, you know? Yeah, you know, the weather out there is brutal, so I can't imagine how it's going to be. But it is going to be later at night, so maybe it's going to help us. But And also considering what happened last game, I wouldn't see it as a shock if Jody started as a left wing. Yeah, that's true. Who do you think gets the ball first? Probably them. Phoenix. Okay. What do you these are just like I was just kind of thinking about these questions before I got in before we got into the actual talk, but what do you think the first half of play will be like? I think it's just gonna be it's gonna be really, really physical. And a lot, a lot of passing. And with the shots on target, it's going to be about even. I like, there's not going to be a lot, but it's, they're going to be right on, right on target that it's going to be, it's going to be like a scary game. We're going to be, you know, like holding on to one another. And yeah, it's just crazy. I can't. I can't imagine Saturday too. And also, um, with Phoenix um, coach, he. I definitely think he's gonna throw Santi in there, in, in there to try to throw us off. Yeah, I think you're right. That was gonna be my next question: Is did you do you think Santi Moore has like? Do you think he has a starting um, role in this match, or you know, do you think that he is put in? mainly with, you know, a certain assignment in mind, you know, to, to throw off the rhythm, you know, yeah. like, like a Chris Weehan matchup or something along those lines. Yeah, kind of like that. If he doesn't start in the first half, he will definitely start in the second half. I know for a fact that they're going to throw him in there and it's going to be something that I think everyone has been waiting for for that moment to see what how our players react to Santi. Yeah, I agree with you. Okay, so then let's let's talk about Phoenix. Let's talk about Phoenix's um offense or their tax strategy. And then of course obviously then talk about New Mexico and what New Mexico must do um, you know, while while they're on defense. Okay, so we know that Phoenix is able to ultimately um, Phoenix's attack strategy that they're in a 4-3-3. Okay, they're running Fleming, Asante, and Dadashov up top. You know, they have extreme pace. They have good vision with each other. Their passing ability is kind of like none other. Um, you know, and ultimately, they're all very much involved in each other's goals, just like they were last year. You know what I mean? So, um, what do you think the assignment is going to look like 
for our back line and maybe even some of our mids to address those three forwards? Our back line, I could definitely see see our uh, our right back and our left back not going up as much because uh, I know Suggs loves to go up and, you know, be a part of, like, the goals and stuff. But Saturday, that's not going to be it. They're going to have to stay back because if they go too far up, then that means our, our wings, like Moreno and uh, – I'm going to put this, for example, Bruce – they're gonna have to come down, and then they're gonna—they're creating space in the middle. Now it's just we're leaving space wide open for them, so we're really gonna have to play a really tight formation when it comes to both defense and offense because we give them just a teensy bit of room, and they—they'll do so much with it. Yeah, this is definitely an instance where you give someone like a couple feet, and then they'll take like like a full on yard and just, you know, they'll go crazy with it. Or, or I guess I've gotten that wrong, but you take a, a couple of inches and they'll, and they'll take a yard out of it. And it's just, you know, what's crazy about this Phoenix squad compared to even El Paso is that we know Salgado is a big guy and he's fast, but junior Fleming's is much faster than Salgado. I mean, I, when I rewatched that match, I thought, oh, my God, this guy's legs are moving so fast. Like, I I would not be able to catch this guy. You know what I mean? Like, they – like, Salifa, he had some running to do with Salgado. If Sali is back there, like, for mobility purpose, like, Fleming is faster. You know what I'm saying? Like – Yeah. It, you know, so I just – I do agree. I think that they can't, they can't send the wings up, and considering that those three players can get back on a counter quick, they are gonna have to either keep four back there or play a solid three. But I just if they're manned up like three and three like that, like you know, then that's where I think you you have, the trouble you have is what comes up behind them. You know, like and they. I'm, I'm sorry, but like at that point, it's not going to be man-to-man. They're going to have to forcefully double-team those three when they have the ball. It's right. like it's not going to be a choice. They're going to have to double-team them. Yeah, and so so you, you would think that at this point, they're probably going to leave four back there. They're probably not going to be able to transition too much out of a 4-2-3-1 into a 3-4-3. No, I think it's better if they just keep the four back there, considering how fast those three forwards are, and considering also how well they work together. Yeah, because it so I mean, if they don't transition into that where they lose someone in the back, then they have to kind of hope that they can kind of maintain possession and kind of move or advance the game up the pitch, you know, and and be able to get a lot out of you know, possibly just two forwards up top with, you know, maybe some some things happening in the middle. But, I mean, this is a team where they kind of got you on both ends of the pitch. Yeah, it and with the speed, we know that Kalen is fast, like super fast, but is he as fast as them? That's going to be 
the question that we're all going to have at beginning at the game. It's right. And also, too, um, I know that teams have been adjusting to the way we've been playing. Now, are we going to adjust to them or are they going to adjust to us? Because they're unpredictable. We don't know what's going to happen with them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, who do you think is going to have the harder night? I'm assuming we're looking at Yearwood. I guess it could be Yearwood and Tete or it could be Yearwood and Muhammad, but we'll just say, do you think the right center back and and right back when it comes to Fleming or uh, the center backs when it comes to Dadashov or the left back and center back when it comes to Solomon Asante. Who do you think is going to have the harder night that night? Whoever's facing Asante, I know for a fact. Because he, I don't know if anyone knows this, but he loves to dive. And it's going to be a really hard night for us because any little movement is going to trigger his, his diving and we're going to have to really watch that because, as we all know, the USL refing here is super great. So, Yeah, and, I mean, we saw that so many times in El Paso that the minute he was even touched the slightest, he falls on the ground and throws a leg up. And, I mean, every single time I saw a card awarded, uh, you know, or a foul given, you know, free kicks awarded. And, you know, and I'm just like, man, you know, Maybe the only person we have who could probably do it just as good as Bruce, <laughs> <laughs> you know. I mean, they may not have the same speed, but you know, maybe maybe we'll hit them like right there with their own medicine. Yeah, you know, and and that's seriously we're gonna have to really watch for is be literally super duper careful in that box because. They're so fragile. Like you lay a finger on them, and they'll like roll for three miles, pretending they're hurt, and they'll get awarded what they want. Right. So, kind of going back to things. I mean, we know that the three forwards are definitely gonna make it harder for our back line through much of the night. Like they're really gonna have to communicate, and you know their assignments are gonna change up like very sporadically. But, you know, the other thing is that Phoenix is able to move the ball up the middle, too. Like, they're not just sending balls overhead out in front of Asante or Fleming, but they're also advancing it up the middle of the pitch. You know, like I said, just great vision about how to get the passes up. Um, you know, how do you think we keep Phoenix from advancing up the middle? Um, you know, do you... Like, and I kind of have made a note, like, is this kind of where we don't shift into other formations? Um, or do you think that Troy just leaves a 4-2-3-1 in hopes of having some of that middle support between the, the holding mids and then, like, the wingers? No, it's just like I was saying earlier, they really need to keep the four. I personally believe that a 4-4-2 will work better for this instance because if we could keep a tight formation back there, I don't think they'll 
get to do what they want to do with us. If we have the four the four four two, we still have our outsides where they can spread out if they want to send the long ball. And also we can also all squeeze in and they have nothing towards the middle and it leaves them, you know, they're gonna have to go to their plan B to their plan C and it they're just gonna be trying to look for answers the whole night. Cause if you really consider their four three three, you know that those top three are gone. Like they're already up the pitch. And then somewhere in the mid, you know, there's someone who's holding it up, you know, who serves as a connecting point. We know their two backs are kind of out wide and up tight, up tight, you know what I mean, leaving the two in the middle. So they've kind of got things set up to where, you know, their two, uh, their two, ba- their two fullbacks, you know, can send it into the middle or back out the back, you know, or then, of course, overhead. So it's just, you know, I – I do think that Phoenix presents a really big challenge. And, you know, one of the things that Troy was really saying in the press conference was he was saying that he was saying that, you know, and and this kind of struck me as like, you know, I mean, he couldn't necessarily say, hey, we got them figured out. We're going to get them because look like, they're a great team. You know, he says that he says they're a great team. You know, he's like, man, he's like, you, you have to have fewer mistakes. So I think if anything, this this sort of match for Troy is okay. How can we play this team? How can we really play to a level where we don't have any mistakes or very few and that we definitely don't let them, you know, capitalize on those mistakes, you know? And I, I, I feel like, I don't. I feel like it's going to be hard for some of these things to really be answered because you know you're dealing with a team that, I mean, they they may not appear as strong in the back line, but I mean they got some talent throughout the roster. You know what I mean? Like like they more than make up for things with the speed on the front. Yeah, they do, and it's just going to be really tough, and it's going to be interesting to see what Troy puts out there because, um, like we all know and we've said before, he's so unpredictable when it comes to this, and it's going to be interesting to see what he has planned, and I, like, I'm eager to see that lineup for Saturday. Yeah, and... Uh... Yeah, I'm definitely eager to see it too. This is probably the first time where I think Troy has to kind of play a little bit more to Phoenix. And I think in the previous matches, he's been able to kind of throw his own strategy out there, you know. And, and you know, and so that's that's going to be the difference here. Um, so then let's talk about. Uh, Let's talk about Phoenix's defense and New Mexico's offense, right? So we know that Phoenix came out in a high press against El Paso, um, you know, and, of course, they forced turnovers because they're able to, you know, bring numbers up very quick. They play in very tight spaces, so they kind of constrict, you know. Um, Knowing how 
New Mexico again, being we're, we've been in the four two three one and we transition into a three four three, um, you know, and knowing how Phoenix will press and bring up uh, numbers like that, um, what do you think we're going to have to do to ultimately uh, resist uh, any sort of forced turnovers in there? Man, it's it's gonna have to be uh, just quick one twos because I noticed that when we try to dribble, we kind of tend to lose it and we get sloppy with it, and that's what we can't do. Yeah, because I mean, looking at the way we've played some of these matches, I mean, if you remember Colorado Springs ball, the ball was definitely very loose in there. Like it was. Definitely, it turned over as quick as we got it back. And even if you look at the way uh, El Paso was at times, you know, it just seemed like we there was a lot of yard ball happening in the middle, middle of that pitch, like just balls kind of going back and forth. And, you know, and, 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 and you mentioned it. You said, like, New Mexico played so loose through the middle that they allowed them to advance, you know. And, and now this is a time when – they're obviously going to have to play tight, but like when New Mexico is on offense, like, you know, they really do have to not play. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll throw this out there. Do you think it's better for New Mexico to play direct or to play indirect against Phoenix based on their speed? Mm, I, that's a tough one to say. Not what? What do you think? Well, I mean, like, they both have their vantage point. Like, if they're playing direct, then to me, like, it's got to be precise, right? You know, they got to hope that Phoenix is going to obviously, you know, bite bite hard on those. Like, maybe because it's so direct, you know, it doesn't invite as much opportunity. But I mean, if they're playing indirect. You know, meaning there's more lead balls, there's more, you know, opportunity. You know, to me, it's it's just more about, I think, like how you're sending numbers in those situations. Because in Austin, they played indirect and it, it was working for them, but they just couldn't, they just didn't have that chemistry back then, you know what I mean, to really hook up for those no-look type passes. Like think about last week in OKC when Bruce got the ball, from Romeo and then he kicks it back to the top of the six. Like that to me is what was happening in Austin. The only difference is they had more synergy and they were able to pull off something indirect like that. Yeah. Um, I just think that directness just works more right now, considering how much chemistry they have. It's just, and the team we're playing against they're going to have to be on it and they can't uh, get on themselves. And what I like about it right now is we've been playing a full 90. And we really need to keep that up. Right. I haven't seen this since last season where we shut down after the first half and it kills us in the second half because we end up losing or we end up um, having a draw. And we don't want that this time. We don't want a draw because if we get a draw, it's going to feel like a loss. Yeah, I mean, normally we like to take the point on the road and go, okay, cool, we got a point on the road. And, you know, and 
I, I think for the sake of the of the rivalry itself, the win is like obviously what you want because it'd be great to say, hey, we went toe to toe with this team for ninety minutes and probably more because every match has obviously had at least like twenty minutes of stoppage time it seems. <laughs> but like you know, and, and no doubt if Phoenix is not up in this match, they're definitely taking their time and creating stoppage time. But I, I think you want the win. I, I feel like if there's a draw, then it just prolongs the inevitable, right? Because if both teams can get a point, then ultimately both teams are still in the position to look at postseason. And I think the matchup is still going to come back around. But, you know, to me, like, New Mexico gains more from this match regardless because New Mexico gets to see where it's at as a team. Yeah, and also, too, to note that when when Phoenix scores, they don't waste time just to keep the lead. They keep going and going and going and like they did with LA Galaxy, and mm-hmm. it's something that we're going to also have to do, too, because we know that they can get back on the board right away. And we can't be wasting time like we always do to try to keep the lead. We're going to have to be going and pretend it's at zeros because the way they've been playing, it's like I said, it's just, it's scary. They're, they're a dangerous team. Well, it's like going into El Paso and getting a lead. Like the first match we go up a goal and then we're down by one goal a half and we're trying to find a way back into the match. But then the second time we go up, you know, by two and, you know, we're holding that. And then obviously they break that like in the second half. And we're trying to keep them from getting back into the scoreline and, and, you know, and us losing the extra points. And then OKC, obviously, they did what they needed to do as far as, you know, getting a lead and, and keeping it. And and I think with Phoenix, if, if we can get up on the team, if we can get a lead, you know, it, it's going to be very much a challenge to try to keep it. I mean, even last year, they went up on them each time they were there, you know. And, I mean, you know, of course, they conceded the goals or, you know, figured out how to escape the matches drawn, you know. I just think that this match is really going to show us, you know, ultimately at what level the team has been playing at. And... I mean, you have to give them credit. Like, okay, like they're currently sitting in first place, and they could lose this match and still be sitting in a good spot in the table. Like, this is probably the only match that New Mexico could really lose and still be okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's just obviously no one's going into Phoenix thinking, "Hey, guys, we could we could lose this match. It's okay." Like, you know what I mean? They're, yeah they're going to be thinking, hey, like, this is the team. If we want the championship, this is the team we're going to have to go through. And we can't necessarily count on OC and San Diego to keep them out of the playoffs. Yeah, it it's, it's tough. And, we like, you think about it, the new players, like, oh, they don't really know the rivalry, this and that. But I bet you that, you know, our veterans tell them and they see how it, like, 
looking at game footage. They see how it is, but probably once they get on the pitch, they're going to know, like, why it's the rivalry that it is. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, you know, this is going to be a really interesting match. I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you are, too. Um, so I guess let's, uh, let's get to the, our favorite part of the, of the pod and let's, let's talk score predictions. Man, I really, really want to win, but I just see as a one, one draw. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yes. After all of that, I mean, honestly, like. It's uh, yeah. I I, it's hard because they are such a good team. It's it is not easy to say, oh, we're gonna come in there and just beat them three 0 Like it is, you know. To me, like New Mexico gets the win if New Mexico can find a way to limit their mistakes, and they either a get get in a a shot on a night when Phoenix is struggling and or you know maybe somehow we're able to get a penalty kick late in the match somewhere. You know, I see New Mexico winning. If they win, I think it's like a two one win and 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 I think that it's it's a come from behind. Um but Golly, um, I guess I'm going to be the bold one. I guess I'll say a 2-1 victory, uh, New Mexico, but it's hard fought, and it's probably like a late, a late, um, a late win or a stoppage time victory. Yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be an interesting one. I, <laughs> I it's just so hard to predict because both teams are just very unpredictable and one thing one second can change from the next like like that and it's just something that we're gonna have to wait for and see yeah i definitely agree um (laughs) yeah this it's definitely gonna just be definitely a very watched match um you know so yeah i mean anything that you want to say uh as we wrap up this episode I uh, just want to give best wishes to uh, to Schmidt. I hope he feels better, and I hope he can get back on his feet, you know, really, really soon. And we'll miss him this season. That's right. For those of you who don't know, Justin Schmidt is more likely out for the season. Uh, he had foot surgery and, you know, ultimately. Uh, so, you know, that, that definitely comes as a blow to the team. Um, but with their depth – hopefully we should still be able to press on and, and quite possibly maybe there's still a way for Justin to come back. If, if, you know, if everything works well with his recovery, um, we definitely wish him the best. And so Alicia, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at exclusive underscore Alicia and on Facebook, you can find me under Alicia Arias. Right on. You can find me under Instagram and Twitter at by Chris Walker. And you can find me on Facebook as 
Christopher M. Walker. Well, that's going to do it for us uh, with another episode of We Are Seek and Strike podcast. Uh, you've been listening to the preview against Phoenix Diving. And uh, we'll catch you next time to talk about this match and what we thought about it um, and, and more. Well, for Alicia and myself, Chris Walker, we'll see you next time. We'll catch you later. You've been listening to We Are Seek and Strike podcast, brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network. Find more USL-related podcasts and written content at bgn.fm. To never miss new content, consider subscribing wherever you get your podcast. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review the episode. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at Seek and Strike Collective. Lastly, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Roughneck Scarves and Icarus FC. Roughneck Scarves, the official scarf supplier to MLS, USL, and US Soccer. Get custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Tired of the same old uniforms and cookie-cutter templates from Nike and Adidas? Looking for a unique, completely custom kit for your youth club, Sunday league squad, adult or even pro team? Icarus FC can help you create the kit of your dreams at an affordable price. Let them help you design your new custom kit today at IcarusFC.com.